Oh, there's one already. Good morning, everyone. It was uh, great to walk through and see all of the good health that's out there in that hallway. Um, And it's uh, a good reminder, uh, we should be eating more of those tomatoes and cucumbers and all those good things out there. And it also um, gets me thinking about health in general, especially for our kids, because either this past week or this week ahead, everyone's going to be going back to school. And some of you are actually sending kids off to college for the first time. And some of you are sending your kids off to kindergarten for the first time. And somewhere in between goes everybody else. And kids are really on my heart this morning. Um, we, uh, we have a generation of kids today, I think, who are facing more and more challenges. Not only challenges in their world right now, but the kind of world that they're going to inherit when they leave school and when they live their adult lives. So my heart is really with all of our kids today. Um, from all of our schools, um, the kids in our church community here, as well as kids all over the place. So to open today, I just want to say a quick prayer for all the families who are getting ready to go back to school, all the staff, and then I want to get into our message this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we are so thankful for this morning. We are thankful for the gift of children, and we're thankful for the opportunity that each of us have to play a part in raising healthy, God-loving kids. It's our most important responsibility is to prepare them in terms of their faith and to prepare them in terms of being able to be a great witness for you in the world that's ahead of them. And so we just thank you for each of them. I pray with each family, each parent, each grandparent, each teacher, each Sunday school teacher, every single one of us plays a role in the life of our kids. And we just humbly submit to you to help give us the wisdom and guidance to continue to help, to help them grow healthy, help them grow strong, and help them grow deep in faith to you. And it's this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have one verse today that we're going to spend our entire time on, so we're going to kind of camp there for the whole morning. And if you want to read ahead here and mark it in your Bibles or take a look at it, it's going to be 1 Samuel seven twelve, And we're going to post that up here in a second. This is a verse that I'm going to highly encourage everybody here to bookmark in your Bibles to imprint in your hearts, because we're going to tell the story around it today. It's very closely tied to the hymn that we're studying. We're in a series, if this is the first time you've been with us this month, this month on Worship to Live By. So each week we're taking a different hymn or a different worship song, and we're diving into the life of the writer, we're diving into the meaning of the song, and then we're taking a look at all of the biblical principles that surround it. And two weeks ago we studied Amazing Grace, Last week, um, we studied it as well with my soul, and today, as you sang and we're going to sing again at the end of this service, we're on Come Thou Fount, and that's where we're going to land today, and the verse that we're going to work from comes from 1 Samuel 7, 12, and I want you just to bookmark this because we're going to make sense of it here in a little bit. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer. You might have thought that was curious as we sang that today. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. You know, I told each of the staffs at our school this week that there are three things that we can do with the gift of time that we're given. We can spend it, we can waste it, or we can invest it. We can invest it. And there are always returns to us when we invest our time in fellowship with God, and when we invest our time in service to other people. 
And so last week, I, I got a call from the nursing home. And many of you remember Ruth Crawford. We, we did her funeral on, on Friday. We celebrated her life. And there was one thing that really struck me about Ruth, of all the many stories that I heard. I knew her. She was 98 years old. So I only knew her when I was a kid, when she was at 70 at that point. And I really didn't know her story. But what I came to learn about Ruth was this was a godly woman. She was constantly serving other people. She was constantly giving of herself. But what I also learned about her is that she had a lot of struggles in life as well that she faced and stood up to. She raised nine children through the Great Depression. (laughs) And yet through all of the struggles and trials, she lost two children ahead of her. And so she went through the pain of losing a child. And you think about the scope of a 98-year-old life. And you think about all of the mountaintops and you think of all the valleys that you must walk when you have that much time on this earth. And here's the thought that kept going through my mind. I was blessed that Thursday afternoon as I sat around the table with all of her kids. It's crazy when you're calling 70-year-old people her kids, but they were, I think they appreciated that. But to sit around and listen to them tell stories about their mother made me a more enriched person because I learned lessons from her about service and about giving. And I want to put this little plug in here because that's what community is all about. And that's why in September and October, we are going to get so heavily invested on studying what the Bible teaches us about living in authentic, genuine, biblical community. Because I learn lessons from people like Ruth Crawford. And I hope to take the lessons I learned from her life, and I hope to apply some of them to mine. And I hope to give them down to my children and my neighbors and my friends. And can you imagine how powerful that gets when we're all doing that together? So that's why I want to bring this up this morning before we get into this hymn and before we get into the scripture behind it, there is always so much more to someone than we know, isn't there? There's always so much more. They're always so much deeper. They're always so much more layered than we first know when we have a first impression about them. And we don't truly know them until we truly get to know them. And so that has been my purpose so far for exploring these great hymns this month. It's not just about the words in the songs or the melodies by which they are sung, as powerful as both of those are, and as helpful as they are to giving us language to worship and communicate with God. But our study is also about the stories of the people who wrote the songs. Because many times those songs were forged either by some of the deepest pains or the deepest struggles or sometimes the highest joys that those writers felt. And it's important for us to know those stories. They make us appreciate the songs that we sing and the prayers that we give even more. And so it is today that we turn our attention to the song, Come Thou Fount of Blessing. And it was written by a man by the name of Robert Robinson, who lived in the 18th century from 1735 to 1790. And here is why his story matters to this hymn. When Mr. Robinson was a young boy... He lost his father at eight years old. You see a pattern here? Two weeks ago, we learned about an author who lost his mother at a young age. And as you might expect, um, the struggles in his life that came began with losing his father. And I always think there's a lesson here when we start to get inside of people's stories, and that's simply this. Before any of us can ever judge somebody else or judge somebody else's actions or choices, do we know their story? Do we know what's made them tick up to this point? Do we have that kind of heart for them that we want to know what are they all about? 
And do we have the faith and the knowledge to know that every single life, because it's true, every single life matters to God. And redemption, no matter where we are in life, is for everybody. And so it's in this 18th century setting that Robert is living. And this is a pretty rough place for little boys without fathers. This is not a society like we have today where there's a safety net to help kids. You lose your father at a young age, chances are you're working in a textile mill trying to make a living. There's no minimum age requirement to work, and so Robert went to work at a very young age. No formal schooling, no safety net, very few options for him. And so tell me if this story sounds familiar to anybody who you know or maybe your kids know. We have a wayward boy without a father, without a strong family network, and he's looking to belong somewhere. And so do you know where he finds a place to belong? In a young gang of other teenage kids who are roaming the streets of his town in England at the time. And these are troubled youth collectively making bad decisions together. And this is the life that Robert is living in his early teenage years. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? But that's where he is at that moment. So one day, Robert and his friends hear of a tent revival that's coming to his hometown. And if you've ever heard of the minister George Whitfield, he was one of the most prominent ministers of his day. And he would give these tent revivals all over England. And these boys were hearing about him, and they thought they were going to go and have a little fun. They thought they would go there and heckle the preacher. They would heckle the events. They would make fun of what was going on. They were very rebellious. They were very angry. And so this minister's coming to town, and they're going to show him what's up. That was their intent. And so they show up. They sit down. They're ready to do whatever they hope to do. And that's when George Whitfield starts preaching from Matthew 3-7. And he imprints these words upon young Robert. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Your fruit will determine who you are. And a young Robert sat there, and something pierced his soul. Something pierced his heart. All of a sudden, the the word of God had been spoken to him in a way that he understood. And he would later write that that sermon pierced him in a way that he couldn't stop thinking about. Now there's a problem. He's got all these really rough and tumble friends, and you can't let him see that you're maybe turning toward Christ. So he goes a couple more years sort of playing, playing the fence, kind of walking along both sides. But then it was on Tuesday, December 10th, 1755, two years and seven months after first hearing that sermon, that Robert, now 20 years old, made peace with God, He found full and free forgiveness through the blood of Christ. He gave his life to Christ, and he later called himself or was felt called into ministry. And so at 20 years old, his life changes, all because of someone coming and sharing the word of God with him, meeting him in a moment of need. That's Robert's story. And so three years into his ministry, as a young preacher, he's trying to decide about how he's going to introduce a sermon on grace, forgiveness, and God meeting you where you're at. And as he's thinking, and this is another common theme I'm learning, all these preachers were writing their own hymns. That puts a little bit of pressure on things. I don't know how good of a songwriter I am, but all these preachers of the time are writing their own hymns. And that's where this hymn comes from. 
One day he sits down in preparation for his sermon and he writes these words. He writes, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. He got that. He understood the grace because he was in such a low spot. He was making so many poor decisions and God came and met him where he was. So that's how his poem begins. Streams of mercy, never ceasing, calls for songs of loudest praise. He wants to praise God. Praise the mount, the mountain, if you will. I'm fixed upon it. I'm watching it. The mount of thy redeeming love. And here's the curious verse that I want us to dive into today. Here's the whole inspiration of this song. And this is what I hope to give you as you leave here this morning with words of hope and encouragement. He has this curious line in here. He says, Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thine help I love. What's he talking about there? What in the world is going on? What's the reference? What's he getting at? That seems like a curious word. The only time I've ever heard of someone named Ebenezer was Ebenezer Scrooge from the Christmas Carol. I don't know of anyone to this day who is naming their child Ebenezer, unless they want to be really cruel, I suppose. So what does this mean? What's the symbolism behind it? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from this passage in 1 Samuel seven 12. I want to read it to you again. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. You see, it was over 1,100 years before the time of Jesus when this is happening. And the people of Israel had conquered much of the promised land. You can read all about it in the Old Testament, but this hadn't been easy for the Israelites. And this infant nation was still surrounded by many powerful enemies, people who wanted to take them over, people who wanted to pick fights with them, people who wanted what they had. Same as this going on today, war after war after war. The Israelites are facing that as well. And it was 20 years before this event in 1 Samuel 7:12 that one of the darkest days in ancient Israel happened. In a single day, Israel not only suffered a terrible military defeat, But they also temporarily lost the Ark of the Covenant into enemy hands. Now the Ark was a symbol for God's presence among them, and it was one of the worst disasters that you could imagine for a people. Even though they would later regain the Ark, nothing would seem the same up until this point. And it was a terrible memory of that day that would continue to discourage their people day after day after day. And so now I want to fast forward to 20 years to where this verse takes place. Twenty years later, Samuel, the great prophet of his nation, calls a meeting of the nation's leaders, and he tells them that if they want to experience the blessings of God, they need to return to their faith in him. Now, times have been hard, but they would never get any better, Samuel says, to them until they turn to God. And so the whole entire nation responds positively And it's at Mizpah where we see this verse, where we see this reference um, in the song. The nation gathered in prayer to seek God's blessing again. And it was in those moments that the Philistine army, this dreaded army, this dreaded enemy who had been persecuting and troubling them for so many years, were looking for another opportunity to attack. Samuel learns of this treachery. The soldiers are able to form battle lines, and they're able to turn back the Philistines. It's a major military victory for the people of Israel. A great victory indeed. So here's where this comes from. 
to mark the occasion of this great military victory, the day of their return to faith, the day that God stood with his people. Samuel places this rock, this Ebenezer. And if we go back through again, 1 Samuel seven twelve, And Samuel took a stone and he set it. He didn't set it for worship. Listen to this. He set it as a monument of the victory obtained by the help of God. It's his monument. We hold this so that we can remember, so that we can always remember. Number one, when we drift, when we drift, we are getting away from the presence of God. He's he's here to help. He's here to love. But we have to stay with him. And number two, because we did, look how blessed we are. There's an interesting line in the song and we, we sang it and we'll sing it again. I want, it, I want to, to, to read the last stanza of the first, or last lines of the first stanza. Robert, who wrote the song and is recalling this, says something very revealing about himself. And I want you to think about this as we sing this at the end of this service. He says, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart, Lord. Take it, take it. Take it. See, Robert understood something that I think all of us understand. It's not too hard for us in the busyness of life or in the day-to-day issues of life that we start to drift from God, is it? He recognizes it in this song. Samuel's greatest fear for his people was that they would soon forget what God had just done for them. So he says, you know what? I'm going to take this rock, this Ebenezer, and it's going to stand as a monument to remind us of what God can do through us when we stay with him. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful message for us to leave with. He calls it the name of Ebenezer, and this word simply means the stone of help. And it was placed in the same place by which the Israelites were anticipating this battle. It's an amazing story. And so I want to take this and close today's message with this encouragement and with this challenge. That Ebenezer that we're singing about, that Ebenezer that we're learning about in this song and through this story in 1 Samuel, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of a victory obtained by the help of God. And from that day on, for the Israelite people, whoever saw that marker would be reminded of the great events of that day. Samuel gave this marker the name Ebenezer. It was the stone of help. And he called it that because he knew that so far the Lord was helping them, and so far as long as they would remain faithful to him, he would help them through whatever they faced. So I want to leave you with this question, and I want to leave you with this challenge. Think back on your life. We look back on 98 years of, of a dear sister here, Ruth Crawford. 98 years. Mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys, somewhere in between all of the challenges, all of the joys, all of the things that we've each experienced in our own lives. And I want to ask you this. Has there ever been a time when you conquered something? (laughs) Has there ever ever been a time where you overcame something? And was ever there a time when you did that and you knew that God was right there with you? You probably have those memories. How about the times where maybe you had drifted from God and because of different choices or because of different circumstances you found yourself a little bit out of favor in life? And a lot of times it might have been of your own doing, but the fact is you had drifted and now here you were and once again you're able to cry out to God and he can restore, he can redeem. You see, that's what this rock is going to symbolize. It's going to symbolize for each of us those moments in our life that we've already overcome and it's going to remind us that we overcome our obstacles 
the more deeply we put our faith in God. That's what Samuel was teaching. That's what this song teaches. The other thing I'm going to challenge you with is simply this. We're still living on this earth. And I would venture to say that somewhere along the path of our lives, we're going to be faced with more challenges. We're going to be faced with more obstacles. We're going to be faced with more moments in our lives where, oh my, this seems overwhelming. How am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? And what I'm going to encourage you to do is hold on to that Ebenezer. God delivers once. God delivers twice. God will deliver again and again and again if we continue to look to him. I want to read from you uh, from Psalm 121 because this sums it up, I think, beautifully. David writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So God's never going to sleep on us. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. I really want you to take this with you this week. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. That's great hope, isn't it? That's great encouragement. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Scripture teaches us that a wise man builds his house upon a rock. So to close today, before Josh comes up and leads us in our closing song, I want to give you this encouragement. As you leave today, we have a stone for every family. Now, this isn't like Charlie Brown where he says, all I got were rocks when I went trick-or-treating. This is a meaningful stone. And I'm going to encourage everyone to do whatever you choose to do with it. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Place this stone, place this rock someplace prominently in your garden, in your home, somewhere where this week you can take some time and simply reflect on two things. God, what have you already helped me overcome? What have I already conquered because you were with me every step of the way? And number two, let this rock be a reminder that when the next challenge, the next struggle comes... God is that rock who you can cling to in the most difficult of times. God has been your strength. God will continue to be your strength. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for this time to gather and worship, and we thank you for all the people who fill this church this morning. We continue to want to grow and serve and learn everything we can about you, so that it can make an impact in our lives and on the lives of those around us. Father, I pray that as we go about this week, you'll help us to remember these two very important truths. Number one, you never sleep on us. You're always watchful. You're always there. You're always willing and ready to guide our every action, our every thought, our every deed. And we're so, so very thankful for that. And Father, for those who are struggling right now with whatever life has thrown at them, if they're they're in a storm right now, Father, I just pray that we can have an opportunity to pray with them today, that we can have an opportunity to serve each other in this wonderful community um, and in this church of, of community. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And now lead us and guide us as we head out into this week. Help each of us take this rock, hold it closely, and remember that you help us overcome all. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.